Let me bring in Al Alvarez, who's been sitting quietly, taking all this in. On the face of it, Al, your story seems more about resisting disability or the idea of your being disabled. Is that is that fair? That's a pretty accurate um, way of putting it. Yeah, I'm here completely under false pretenses in that my disability, relatively speaking, I think, compared with Lois or Mike, is very, very, very minor. My present disability, which I guess is what got me onto the programme, because I now have to t- t- go around with a stick and so on. It was simply a, a climbing accident, 1960, 40 years ago. I broke my leg, and they mended it wrong, and as a result, although I was back in action again, I was climbing again three months later, but over the time, cartilage wore away, and now there's no cartilage in the in the joint in the ankle and the leg, and so it's just bone grinding on bone, and walking has become very difficult, very painful, but I can still swim, I do other things. But as you say, that's part of the resistance because I was actually born with a a disability and had major surgery when I was a little baby. And I kind of reckoned at some point that this thing which hung around, I had a kind of what turned out to be a benign lymphatic growth on my ankle which used to go wrong when I got ill. If I got the flu or something, I'd get a fever for the thing. If I got measles, you know, I see all these awful, silly, childish things that you get. You know, the ankle would blow up and it'd get inflamed and become very painful and I'd run a fever and so on. So as a result, I was always kind of fighting it. And I think I was very much involved as a child in beating it. Mm. I became extremely keen on games. I was a you know, clever little bugger and never bothered with the work because I knew I could do that. But I, what I wanted to be was good at games. And I went to a very strenuous public school uh, where you had to be good at games in order to survive. So I became good at games. And behind all this was this little cripple who, you know, this little Jewish cripple looked like Franz Kafka, you know, when I went away to boarding school. I came out of my boarding school with a 17-inch neck, Mm. you know, not at all like Franz Kafka and playing rugger and so on and so forth. So there have always been these Mm. two bits going. Um, There does seem to be a pattern with you of kind of deliberately putting yourself into situations where the impairment is kind of made not to count. So, I mean, it's learning to walk and then it's playing rugby and then it's joining the army and then it's climbing. You know, there's one thing after another, really, where you've deliberately sought out situations which you might not be expected to do. Yeah, I don't know. I think I felt I'd had to do was I'd learned a lesson. Either I could be crippled for the rest of my life, which was very much on the cards. And I'm talking now at age two or three, so I'm not talking rational thinking, I'm talking behavioural thinking or some kind of more, something more instinctive. Or I could fight it and join the human race, which I felt was the alternatives for me. Mm. Um, but you define the human race it's as, as walking, climbing, playing rugby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, it was what you do as a child, for Christ's sake. I'm now 71 years old, and it seems to me that the impairments are just an accelerated form of ageing. You said at the beginning you felt you, you were an imposter. That suggests that you don't 
think of yourself as one of this group of people who are disabled? No, I know I'm disabled, but, for instance, in airports, I have, unfortunately, to be wheeled around I have, because I can't, I can't walk the long distances involved. I used to spend a lot of time going to art galleries, which I love, and that I can't do anymore because I can't sort of walk too far and... and, and, and but you could do it in a wheelchair. Um, yeah. Would you not like to do that? I, I don't like it. I do it, but I don't like it. Yeah, no, I'm fighting it. I'm one of the people you, you, you would automatically resent, I'm afraid. Well, I, would, I, 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 right. I, cert- I certainly would want to reject that notion. I mean, I like Louise's idea about seeing what happened to you, your transition from non-disabled to a disabled person as a, as a hinge. I mean, I've always conceptualised it as a significant life event, which we all have, which doesn't diminish what's happened, but it doesn't necessarily place it as this appalling tragedy. And the, the problem with Al's fighting metaphor is that it positions me in a way which I absolutely reject, which is that if I've got to fight against something horrendous, I can e- either only then be a hero or a pathetic victim. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, in terms of Lois's work, she can give us lots of examples of the way in which the disabling culture has constantly portrayed us as that. You know, we can only either be heroes or victims. And I don't see my life in the last 40 years as either being heroic or as being victimised. I see my life as being a life which, you know, has been full, which has been enjoyable and which I don't in any way feel that I need to kind of reject or apologise for or that I somehow fought against something that's happened to me all those years ago. Is the issue... Can I just just really like to pick up on Al's saying, you know why he doesn't want to be in the art gallery or in the party in a wheelchair, which I sort of completely understand. But it has to be said that that whole view is a real problem in my life because what does being in a wheelchair do? It firstly puts you... It makes you much smaller than everybody else. So everybody physically, as well as metaphorically, is looking down on you. Secondly, it infantilises you. So... You know, you're in a wheelchair. A wheelchair has to be pushed, therefore you must be a baby. Mm. Going back to what I said earlier, which is why having real babies was always rather helpful to me, although confusing to everybody else, because who was the baby here? It was always a bit of a problem. Mm. Secondly, although we live in a world where the, the, the overview is you have to be nice and kind to disabled people, actually it creates, being in a wheelchair, creates a sort of huge barrier. So how Al, you know with his reputation and his body of work, is treated as a standing-up owl. Is imagine quite different to how he's treated as a sitting-down owl. And Al has, at the moment anyway, has this choice, and Mike and I don't have this choice. So we have to find ways of fighting this, and that's what I meant earlier when I said sometimes I feel like I'm doing a lot of pretending. Because I'm in the party feeling rather like Al might feel sitting down, but without any choice to be doing it. So what do I have to do to make life remotely bearable and pleasant and enjoyable for myself? Because I am quite a sociable person. I had to, to pretend that none of this is going on. That I don't know what this standing up person is thinking when they look at me, although I actually know very well what they're thinking of me. And I have to pretend that I'm having the best of times. And, mm. and really, I'm loving being at this party because, you know, and actually, I'm hating being at this party. And mm. I feel that I do a lot of that. Racism, sexism, disabilism 
they haven't just disappeared because we've become more enlightened. They've, they've disappeared because black people and women and disabled people have been prepared to challenge racist and sexist and disabled stereotypes. We bear a lot of responsibility for that. We've been active agents in, in that improvement. And that's why I see myself as a disabled person, not a person with a disability. Because you can... Yeah. Can I just pick up on this, this very interesting issue about overcoming and the difference between Mike and my experience and, and ours. There are people who have spinal cord injuries who are still waiting to overcome. And I, I don't want to talk about Christopher Reeve personally, but certainly in the presentation of his case, the media have been absolutely delighted to pick on this and show what a strong will he has and, uh, and how the power of his mind is going to help him get up and walk. Whereas people like Mike and I know that there is no research, there's no evidence. And to believe that you'll be cured is complete nonsense. And so you might as well get on with a different sort of life, which is what we've both done. And this is why I called the novel I wrote for young people about such a situation, A Different Life, because I think that's what we've had to do. If you have, you know, if you're in a situation like ours, and particularly at the time which you were born, and that sort of notion of, you know, you use the word cripple in, a, in that kind of self-conscious way, knowing that other people would see that as an insult, but that's how you were seen. When there is the sort of possibility to, in inverted commas, overcome, there is enormous pressure on people, even today, to do just that. I think psychologically there's an awfully big difference between people like Mike and I who forge a new identity and make a kind of claim on the world to see us as we are and people who are desperately trying to, through religion or the power of the mind or some sort of new age thinking or some as yet untested medical breakthrough to believe that they will be other. And my own view is that's a real burden and they'd have a much better and more interesting life, they just jolly well got on with living with the impairment as it is. 20 years ago now, I wrote a piece for The Guardian called My Disability Was the Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me. And as a consequence of that, I appeared on a television programme with Miriam Stoppard, who couldn't believe that I could actually <laughs> believe this, and she spent the whole of the programme trying to interrogate me to and, and, and kind of force me to change my mind. And in the end, she said, exasperated to me, well, but Mount Everest is out there and you'll never be able to climb it. <laughs> and, I, 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 and, and I responded very quickly, and it's like one of these things where your mind does actually work. Well, the four-minute mile is out there, Miriam, and you'll never be able to run it. <laughs> and I think, you know, she then understood what I was trying to say, that yeah. we were all limited by our bodies mm. uh, and, and the environments mm. in which we're placed. And, 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 and being a disabled person might impose more limitations but it doesn't somehow separate my experiences out from those from the rest of the human race. The Daily Mail or the Express published a piece about me and took out as the headline, I never waste time wishing I could walk again. I mean, there's a whole lot of things in my life I would like change, but that's not, you know, sometimes it's incredibly frustrating and sometimes even now after all these years you wake up and you think goodness me, is this me? You know, is, because, you know, you had 35 years of my life not expecting this to be me, so it is still surprising sometimes. But really, it would seem like the most extraordinary waste of time if I spent every minute wishing I was other. And people find this impossibly hard to believe. And so when this came out, I was in the paper, I was at work. Somebody who's known me, who knows me well, challenged me on this and said, that's not true, is it? And I was very stunned by this, because I thought, well, if you knew me, you, you know, surely you would know. You know, she knew me quite well, she spoke to me every day and so on. It so much goes against the grain of what we believe about 
positive thinking and being a strong person and a belief in yourself and particularly now in the whole kind of new age thinking and the kind of moral thought it's as if the interpretation of I never waste time wishing I could walk again was somehow I had just become a terrible giver in and terrible weak person it's actually I was rather proud of my mm. strength of character but, I you would know. have thought it shows you've grown up yes exactly but that's not how the world sees it 